So if you turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, and we'll get into that, 1 John chapter 5. Something hit my mind I, when we was re- studying this, and, uh, and then when I read chapter 5, I, I got to looking at it, and I said, man, this, this, is, this is some powerful stuff that we all need to know, but, but it's something that we all got to get down in our hearts to know this. And uh, let us stand and begin in verse number 10 this morning. Verse number 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God have made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath have the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have I written unto you that that, uh, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. We just ask to be with each one tonight, this, this morning, Lord. Help us to receive uh, the engrafted word, Lord. Help us, to, uh, uh, Lord, to look beyond self and see what you prepared for us, Father. We praise you. Empty yourself and fill with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. John deals with this thought of knowing that you have eternal life. And there's nothing greater than knowing that you have eternal life. I don't care if somebody walks in here and, and says, I've got $20 million, I, I want to give it to you. It, it's still not greater knowing that you have eternal life. Uh, somebody may walk in here this morning and hand you the keys to your uh, dream car, but it's still not important or matters greater than knowing that you have eternal life. Uh, <clears throat> do you know that that day that you got touched... Uh, 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 you know what there's nothing like when you reached out and touched the hem of his garment knowing that you're saved knowing that you're bought from hell knowing that there's nothing greater in this life knowing that you have eternal life greatest thing anybody can do this morning it's not whether who you married or what your business or what your finances or what your uh, career is going to be is, uh, or who's going to be president the greatest thing you know today is that you have eternal life. I have talked with several people. They believe that uh, you can't know that you have eternal life. But I, I beg to differ you, the Bible tells us about that. And in fact, in verse 13, it says, You may know. There's a certainty. In knowing. In verse number 13, John said that you may know that you have eternal life. In verse 14, he says, this is the confidence. In verse 15, and if we know. Verse 18, we know. Verse 19, and we know. In verse 20, and we know. It seems to me that John is trying to tell us something this morning. We know that everybody refers to 1 John as the love chapter and certainly love is mentioned many many times over in first john but can i say to you that uh, the word know or known or know uh, some fashion form of fashion of that word is mentioned 38 times in these five verses 
That means at least seven times. And each verse uh, averages out to, that John says that ye may know. If you talk to the average church member of the average church, and it doesn't matter if it's Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, it doesn't matter. If you ask them and talk to them, they would say, are you saved this morning? Are you sure you're saved this morning? And this will be the response. From many of the church people sitting in churches today, they will say, I hope so. I hope so. Do you mean you're banking your eternal destination, whether you wind up in heaven or burned in a lake of fire, on this, I hope so? That's not what the Bible tells us. I hope I'm saved. I hope I've done good. I hope I'm a good person. Look, when, place, and show does not get you into heaven. You've got to know. And John tells us how we can know. There's a certainty about this. It says you can know that I'm not saved by works of righteousness. I work because I am saved this morning. I'm a good person, but I'll tell you why I'm saved. I've got a certainty in my heart this morning. It's because I'm certain that what he did for me at the cross of Calvary, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that Christ died on the cross of Calvary. I know that I'm going to heaven this morning. There's a certainty. Paul said this, for I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Paul said uh, being confident this very thing that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning I'm wondering, do you know this morning? Can you be certain? If you're not sure this morning, it's not God's fault, it's not the Bible's fault this morning. It's religion's fault this morning. Religion steals uh, the assurance of salvation out of the hearts of people by telling you, you got to keep the golden rule. You got to keep the golden rule to go to heaven. You got to keep the sacraments to go to heaven. You got to take mass to go to heaven. You got to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven. You got to be a member of a church, you got to be baptized. You want to go to heaven. Let me just say this. If you recognize that you are a sinner. And on your way to hell. And realize that there is a great Savior there for you. Who died for you. Who shed his blood for you. And if you throw yourself at his feet and say, I'm a sinner, I'm lost and done, I'm lost without God or his son, I'm on my way to hell. If you say that, you don't have to worry about those things because God will move inside of you. There is a certainty in your life that you know, that you know, that you know this morning. People have this thing all confused about salvation this morning. 
Did I pray right? Did I say the right things right? Did I mean it? Preacher said if I come to him. I remember that day. I remember sitting in the pew. I remember the, the, uh, the preacher preaching. I, I remember what he was preaching on. And, and he told me. That if I was lost and undone and dying, uh, he said, but if I come to him, uh, if I give my heart to him, uh, if I lay my soul at his feet, uh, he will save me. And believe me, that's what happened. I came down to the altar. I don't realize how I got there. I was sitting in the back, uh, but all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm bowed down at the altar, and the good Lord reached down and touched me. He saved me. I'm no longer the same. I'm different now. I'm not bound to heaven. I'm not on my way to heaven but I'm on my way to heaven and then he give this verse I know people say the King James Bible is outdated we need a new version we need an updated version but the simplicity of this in verse 12, just it hits me hard, and I told him this morning. It's one of the greatest impact verses you can find in the Bible. And it says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. How sent that's that's one verse that have every word in that verse that has one syllable. And you don't have to have a Bible degree to understand that. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand. How simple is that? Either you got him or you ain't got him. And that's exactly what he's telling us. And then he says, hey, if you ain't got him, if you don't have him on the inside of you, I'm telling you how you can get him. It's confusing to people. I don't understand this. Why is the Bible so confusing to people today? Because it's not being preached the way God wanted to be preached. It's not being taught the way God wanted to be taught. And most of all, why it's, not, why it's confusing to a lot of people? Because it's not being received the way God wants it received. Everybody puts their stamp on the Bible. This is what God meant. This is what the Bible says. No, thus saith the Lord. And leave it at that. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bothers me. It's the parts I do understand that bothers me. That, that's the problem. There's some things about the Bible that, we, that bothers us and we don't want to get into it. We don't want to understand. I say, hey, either you got the son or you ain't got him. How simple, how simplicity is that? There, the Bible shows that John shows that they're singles for knowing that you have the Son of God. John gives his thought throughout the five chapters, several singles on how you can know that you have eternal life. Singles that will come in a life of a believer. If they have eternal life, not, not of not. Paul said in Hebrews, But beloved, we were persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation through though we thus speak. 
Listen, when God moves in, He puts something inside of you. His Spirit comes inside of you. You may not understand it. You may not understand it. But what it happens is when, when God puts His Spirit in you, you start loving the things that God loves. You stop, start hating the things that God hates. Listen to, listen to me. If there's never been a point in your life that you didn't love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates, can I throw this at to you? You're not saved this morning. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Either you got them or you ain't got them. There ain't no such thing as in between. But there's never been a point in your life you say, hey, God hates that. I'm going to hate that. If God loves that, I'm going to love that. If there's never been a point in your life when you came to the realization that, hey, I love the things God loves and I hate the things God loves, then I suggest you're not saved this morning. Amen. So John tells us there are singles in your life. There's a singles in a Christian's life that you know that you have eternal life or you don't have eternal life. You say, what singles are there? What, what, three, let me give you three quick things on how you know that you have eternal life. And, I, and I'm begging each and every one of you to, to open your hearts and open your minds and say, hey, I may I, I, sitting here, I might have doubt. I might uh, be confused about something. Or you may be sitting here, I, don't, I know I don't have him. I don't understand it, but I know I don't have him. Or you say, well, I hope so. Let me just say that there's some things that John tells us that you know that you know that you're saving on your way to heaven. Three things. Verse two. Chapter, go back to chapter number two. The first single in your life as a Christian walk should be this. Chapter two, verse three. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his words in him, verily is the love of God perfect. Hereby know we that we are in him. Do you live by the scriptures? He says those, uh, the first way you can tell is somebody in a family of God is the way you can tell if you have eternal life. That you're living your life best by the trying to live your life best by the scriptures, what the Bible says. I, I love the scriptures. Listen, I know I fell on a daily basis, no doubt in my mind. But there's something down inside of me, uh, one that loves this book, loves what this book says. I, I'm not living by the book trying to get saved. I'm living by the book because I am saved this morning. The book says that we know we are His. We know that we are saved if we keep the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Can I say this morning, do you love Him? We're living in a generation of Christians today that are relying more on a feeling 
than the facts of the word of God. Look, I want to feel something this morning. I, I really, truly do. I want to feel something, but I'm not basing my salvation. I'm not basing who I know. I'm not basing what he's done for me on my feelings. Because feelings go up and down, up and down. <laughs> there are those that say you don't have to live a life by what the Bible says. You don't have to live what the Bible says. I read a text from a preacher that somebody sent him. Somebody was saying, I can't remember everything in the text, but what the text was basically saying, for those who are preaching the Bible, you don't have to live the Bible to still be Christ-like. I don't have to live what the Bible says and still be Christ-like. Wait a minute. The Bible, Christ, they go to heaven like gloves. Hand in the glove, they are together. You can't live one without him. You've got to live what the word of God says. And let me just say this. If you believe that, then the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and God is the word. So if you're saying that, this is God. This is the word. This is Jesus Christ. You've got to live what the Bible says. And it's being the family of God. I, think, I know there are some that think the Bible is being preached too much in churches today. Too much of this, too much of that. All you hear about is Sunday school, the Bible being taught. All you hear about preaching on Sunday morning, Bible being preached. Hear about it on Sunday night, Bible being preached. Wednesday night, hearing about Bible being preached. Can I ask you, what else is there to do? What else is there to do? If I want to live by the scriptures, if I want my life to be murdered up to the scriptures, then I got to know what the scriptures are telling me. So a signal in your life, in this Christian walk that you're going through, are you trying your best to live by the scriptures? Now I know we can't always. I fall every day. I make mistakes every day. Told them this morning, they said uh, we, we could be, uh, we don't have to sin all the time, but we make mistakes. And we got to ask God to forgive us. But it, it's the fact is that when you do make a mistake, do you get back up and say, Lord, forgive me, keep coming. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Two minutes we make a mistake, we fall down, we lay there, and that's where we stay at. But are you trying to live your Christian life by the scriptures? Second thing, you know that you're saved if you're trying to live your life by the scriptures, and you know that you're saved if you're being led by the Spirit of God. John chapter 3, verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him, living by the scriptures, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. Chapter 4, verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us the spirit. 
Paul said in Romans chapter 8, for as many have led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You want to know that you're going to heaven and are being led by the Spirit of God. I know that sometimes I don't feel like I'm being led by the Spirit of God all the time. But you can tell when you've been led by the Spirit of God. It's, you know, you know what? This, this, let me give you an illustration. I don't usually do those. But you want to know how you know you're being led by the Spirit of God? When you get ready to do something, and you go to do it, and all of a sudden, something around you is something inside you says, uh-uh. Uh-uh. You get ready to go somewhere, so, uh-uh. And what he's trying to say is, look, I don't do that no more. I don't go there no more. I don't drink that no more. I don't say that no more. I don't walk like that no more. That's what the Spirit of God, you've been led by the Spirit of God because he's inside of you and he's trying to tell you and lead you. And let me just say this, if the Spirit of God is leading you, he's not going to lead you to something that you should not be doing. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. I'm not leading him. He's leading me. And thank God that when he's leading you, he'll take care of you. He'll let you lie down by green pastures. Where does he lead you? He says he leads you in the path of righteousness. Do not tell me that you're being led by the Spirit of God and your life is unholy as hell. Don't tell me. There are those who say, I, I am on my way to heaven and they said I'm being led by the Spirit of God and they're more of the devil than anything else. Don't tell me because everything that you do, it goes against the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You're not being led by the Spirit of God. You're not being led by the Spirit of God, then you're the one in control. You're the one in control. You know that you're saved if the Holy Spirit is leading you, directing your path. The steps of good man are ordered by the Lord, the Bible says, and he delighteth in his ways. Though he fall, though he fails, he shall not utterly be cast down. The Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and I am old and yet I have seen the righteous forsaken nor seed beg for bread. The question this morning, who is leading your life? Who's leading you this morning? Are you the one that's making the decisions in your life? By making them, by randomly making decisions in your life, well, I think I'll do that. I think. Or are you seeking God's advice, seeking God's help and to make decisions in your life? That's being led by the Spirit of God. Can I say this? The Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to the Word of God. It'll never do that. And the reason is because he wrote the word. He wrote it. 
The Bible says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God's not going to tell you to do something that is contrary to what he's already done said. If you're being led, you're being led by what has already been said. You can know you've been saved if you've been led by the Holy Spirit. And one of the assurances that I have in my heart that I'm saved is when God tans my hide. When I do something wrong. You know, I love our kids. We've got several kids in here. I love them. When they do something wrong, I point it out. I'll tell them, hey, don't be doing that. You shouldn't do that. But there's not one of them. Now, mine was different, but there's not one of them that I would take my belt off and whip. They don't belong to me. That's mom and daddy's stuff. I wouldn't whip them. But mine, buddy, I couldn't get my belt off half the time fast enough. I mean, just and they knew it was coming. Same thing with God. You you know you're you know you are saved because God gets a hold of you and starts wearing your butt out. He takes you to the woodshed and beats you up for what you've done. And let me tell you what he you know that you've been led by God because He cares enough for you that He takes and just tries to bring you back in and He's going to whip you. I don't know about you, but I've been whipped a whole lot of times, and I look around and say, "Who's there?" And it's God that's done got a hold of me again. Amen. The Bible says when you get out of sorts with God, He'll chasten you. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of Christ, the Son of God, cleanses from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. John throws himself right in the mix of that when John writes it. If we confess, John said, hey, there's still things in my life that's not right. I still have problems. There's still some things out of sort. But John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He will forgive you. He will not cast you out. He will not throw you away. I, I love how he don't hold my sins over my head. I, I love how he, he'll just forget my sins. But John says, if we confess, confess our sins. That's the key in the Christian walk. If you confess your sins. He'll love you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you from all, all sins this morning. But you got to confess your sins to him. To know that you're walking. And you're saved. And on your way to heaven. You've you got to be uh, living your life by what the scripture says. You've you, you got to uh, 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 be led by the spirit of God. Then he said you got to love the saints. Verse 14 of chapter 3. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? How? Because we love 
the brethren. Because we love the brethren. The Bible teaches us to do good all to all men. To do good all, to all men. But it also put a stipulation, but especially to those of the household of faith. You've got to love your brother. You've got to. Brethren, sisters are sitting here. As together we're called the church or the assembly. We know we pass from life, from death unto life. Because we love the brethren, we love the church, and we love the assembly. We're being around those that love God, serve God. There's something wrong in the child of God. Listen. There's something wrong in the child of God's life that they don't like to be around other children of God. Now, I, I, I love everybody here. Now, some of them I don't like as much, but I, I love everybody here. I die for you because I love you. But there's something wrong when we sit in church and have aught with a brother and sister in church. There's something wrong with us. That's not promoting God. That's not promoting Christ's life. That's not promoting scriptures because we're commanded. You've got to love those of the household of faith. You've got to. And how do you know you pass from death to light? Because you love the brethren. Now listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not saying you can't have friends or family that's lost and undone and going on the way to hell. You ought to pray for them. That's certainly you ought to do. But if you rather hang out with people that have joined up with the world than those that are in the household of God, then there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with a Christian who wants to go out and do the things that the world does and don't want to join up with the, uh, the household of faith. Uh, and when we do something like his, there's something wrong when you rather just go out there and run with the world instead of hanging out with those of the household of faith. There's something wrong with that. You can always tell a child of God by who he hangs out with the most. I love church. I love coming to church. And when I become president, I'm going to mandate it. You have to go to church seven days a week. Because I love church. I, I, think, I feel my best in church. I do my best in church. It's that when I walk outside those doors and I get outside there, I have a chance of the flesh getting a hold of me. But inside here, I'm standing in the presence of God and God's got me. God's got me in his hand. I know that I am a God. I, have, I love church. I love the Bible. I love God's people. I love God's people. Now, some of them are just really out there. But I love God's people. You know the reason why that you and I have so much in common? Because we have the same Father. We have the same Father. If you're saved this morning, Paul said, for we are all the children of God 
by faith in Christ Jesus. If you're in Jesus Christ, you don't like this and don't like that. You don't like going to the Bible. You don't like being in church. You don't like there's something wrong with you. If you say you're a child of God and you don't read your Bible and you don't pray and you don't like hanging around those that are in the house of household of faith, then I suggest you have never switched teams. You've never switched teams. Once you get saved, there's something that God will put down inside of you. There's something, a desire. There's a desire. When I got saved, there was a desire. I remember when I got saved, I got my book, my Bible, and every time I go to work, I'd get there early, and I'd sit outside, and I'd read my Bible, and I read my Bible all the way through. Now, I stumbled over a lot of those words because I can't pronounce them words. Those got, gets, gets, got, and all that good stuff. But I read it. I read it. And I keep reading it. Because when I got saved, God put something down inside me. He says, I, I desire that book. I need that book. And, and if you're born again, you're on your way to heaven, then you ought to desire the word of God, the sincere milk of God. Too many of us have stayed on the milk instead of getting to the meat of the word of God. And if you stay on the milk too long, you'll fall away. You've got to get down to it. Amen. Boy, hey, don't you like take one of them great old big T-bones, put it on the grill, cut down in that thing. Woo! Now, I'd rather have a bottle of milk. Give me that good old cow's milk. No, I don't drink milk to begin with. Give me some of that steak. Get on to the meat of the Word of God. You know that you're saved because you love the saints of God. You love... The things of God. You love the word of God. You love the, the church and the, the assembly. You, know, you love the people of God. And I'm not telling you anything that you cannot find in this book. I'm not basing it on my thoughts or things. I'm telling you what the book says. But there is nothing greater than knowing that you're saved and you have eternal life. There's nothing. Of all the things in this world that you can have, the greatest thing you'll ever possess in your life, knowing that you are saved. And I'm not saying you're perfect. Lord knows I'm not perfect. But I'm heading there. I'm on my way there. I'm not heading there. But I have a feeling that a lot of Christians haven't made their mind up yet on where they want to go. You got to make your mind up. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But I know when I got, I know when I know when he touched me. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And the joy that flooded my soul. Something happened when God touched me. Now, I'm made whole. Praise God. But if you've never been touched, you've been to the altar and you cried and cried, but the hand of God has never reached down and touched you, I suggest you get back to the altar and plead your case to an almighty Savior that has mercy and let Him touch you again. 
There's nothing greater than knowing that you're going to heaven. We strive in this world and all the things that's going on in this world and I rest in the assurance that I'm going to heaven. I'm not worried about who's going to win, what we're going to do, how we're going to wind up, what this country's going to be like in another five years. I'm not worried about that. My heart's been settled. I'm on my way to heaven. Either with Jesus through the rapture or by the grave or somebody killing me and sending me home early. I'm on my way. Heaven. Do you have that assurance in your life this morning? Can you say beyond a shadow of doubt, I know that I know that I know. John says you may know. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. You can know that you have eternal life in your life. Do you know this morning?